Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? That dog does not want to be petted. <laughs> well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but prediabetes does. Take the one-minute test today at doihadprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Crude oil prices continue to slide, hit a new year low. A new bear market is on the horizon. What does it all mean? Welcome to Money Beat. I am Paul Vigna. I'm Stephen Grosser. And we are joined today by Heard on the Streets, Spencer Jacob, to talk about this all. Uh, Spencer, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm well. So should we, I mean, let's talk first about the fact that what does a bear market mean for oil, for crude oil? What does a bear market mean for anything? It's an arbitrary 20%, 20% from the, the, the recent peak. Right. I don't think it it is any more meaningful. People take a little bit less note of it. But what we are at is uh, a more than a seven-month low um, this afternoon in oil, uh, so a 2017 low. Mm-hmm. Um, we're well below where we were um, when OPEC finally inked its agreement in late when November. When was that? It was November. That right. was November 29th or 30th, I believe, right. when they finally inked it. And, and that agreement was, was for? That agreement, their initial agreement was to um, cut um, production by 1.8 million uh, barrels a day. Mm-hmm. So just to put that in context, n- about 96 million barrels a day are, are produced. Uh, about um, 33% uh, of the world's oil production is by OPEC. But this, uh, this also included Russia, which is... Um, by some measures, the world's largest oil producer right. or close. And not to, an OPEC member. And not an OPEC member, and then a few other countries, but most notably Russia, in addition to the OPEC countries. Right. So 1.8 is, uh, is a serious cut. Uh, but what were there are a lot of caveats you yeah. know, there, and yeah. uh, those are kind of, kind of, there's a few flies in the ointment we wrote about all along, and now they're kind of coming into play. Well, let's talk about the, what were the expectations when those cuts came in, because, you know, there was hope yeah. that this would lift oil prices. People were very, very surprised that they reached an agreement at all. Yeah. And um, there actually were kind of oil traders and oil speculators who uh, were – they actually were communicating with OPEC and OPEC countries are saying, you you should believe this. You should – you know, th- this this deal is, is for real. And there was quite a bit of skepticism. So initially, just to go back – I mean, I don't want to go back too much in history. Yeah. But in September, there was a meeting uh, of the same uh, producers in Algeria. And they agreed in principle to to freeze output. Uh, but with no details. And people like were like, yeah, right, okay, the Saudis and the Iranians are, are not going to agree. And that skepticism prevailed uh, until we got closer and closer to the November meeting. And the Saudis sort of bit the bullet because they they usually are the swing producer. They're the ones that uh, take the pain, and they're usually the ones who are the enforcer when um, people are, are not behaving in OPEC and then flood the market because they have the most ability to sort of to ramp up and ramp down their own production. And so it was surprising that they agreed, given the acrimony they had with the the Iranians. And the market was very pleased, and uh, and crude rallied and peaked early this year. But then the air started to come out of it, and there, because there are a lot of weaknesses in in this deal, and there are a lot of things happening in the background that OPEC has no control over. Let, let's sort of go through those. I mean, one when OPEC signed the deal, immediately people, a lot of people pointed out. You know, OPEC and oil producers in general have a history of not following through on these production yeah. cuts. Have they followed through on them? 
Well, that is a, a pleasant surprise if you're uh, if you're bullish on on. So the typical compliance rate going back to the 1970s for these OPEC quotas is like 60 or 70 percent. So that's that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the compliance rate was actually, I mean, it's difficult to say precisely, but the compliance rate appears to have been a lot better than than usual uh, among the OPEC countries. Uh, Russia didn't. You know, Russia can't really comply because Russia has a bunch of their state controlled, but they they act independently. It's not like they have a single national oil company where they can just throttle back and put the oil in tanks or something. So they uh, said that they would cut, um, you know, you know, quite a bit, but they took their time cutting. So their their exports didn't actually fall that much. But of the one point eight, let's call it one point five to one point six, that they actually did cut as of you know, maybe last month. So they actually have, that side of it has been fine. That's not the problem. The problem is what else is happening. And there's two other things. One is that the OPEC countries and Russia ramped up ahead of this agreement, which took, you know, took effect in January to near record output. So they're cutting from a much higher base. Like let's say, let's take Saudi Arabia and Russia alone. Their output uh, was probably something like 400 to 600,000 barrels higher than it had been a half a year earlier. Uh, so they're cutting from a higher number. That, that's not as hard to do. It's not as painful to do. It's not, it doesn't have as much impact on the market. They were, they were going all out. The second thing is that oil prices bottomed last late February, February 2016. Yeah. Now you have this new player on the block called shale. Shale does not take three to five years to bring on board. You don't need to sit and like build a gigantic platform out in some stormy sea to bring shale on. Shale can not turn on a dime, but six to eight months from investing money, you're getting oil out of the ground with shale. And even shorter time, given that there are a lot of drilled but uncompleted wells in the shale patch. And shale turned around a lot faster than people expected, and a lot more money went into shale as oil prices rose in the wake of the steel. Well, late last year and then in the wake of the steel. And we are getting... um, So, you know, people who watch the oil market have been upping and upping their forecasts of how much crude the U.S. is going to to be producing this year and especially next year because of the boom in drilling in places like the Permian Basin. That that really uh, has caught people by surprise. And just to kind of put this in put this in in context of the numbers uh, in November when OPEC came to that deal, mm-hmm. crude was trading. I think it was around forty eight dollars. It was on its way down, but it was around forty eight dollars. They strike a deal. It goes up. Above 50 by February. I think 54 peaked at in February, right? Yeah. And people were talking about 60 and this is sustainable and right. this is a, a sweet spot for the prices and it's great for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's basically been a little jagged but but essentially all downhill from there. Mm-hmm. Today, as we were recording this on uh, Tuesday, it's trading at around $42. And the number to keep in mind if you're following along at home – uh, is I mean have it, I have it right here, forty three fifty six a barrel on Nymex crude. If it closes below that, it's twenty percent from the recent highs, mm-hmm. which is the the technical definition of a bear market. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I don't think people are too 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 wrapped up in what percent it, it fell from the high. But forty three forty two forty three is pretty tough if yeah. you're OPEC. It's actually also pretty tough if you're a shale producer. Yeah. Let's not you know forget that. I mean. At forty-two dollars a barrel, I mean shale is is not cheap. Shale is a, you know, all, the costs have come down dramatically, and that's that's one very unpleasant surprise for for OPEC and all this. And we we've written about this on herd. 
is that um, you know, let's take uh, the Midland uh, Basin, which is part of the Permian Basin, part of this really prolific shale play. Uh, in the middle of 2014, the all-in cost of producing uh, a barrel of oil, so your not just your cash cost, but you know, amortizing your investment, was like $75 a barrel. So when the Saudis basically allowed the said we're going to, you know, allow a year or so of pain in the market. Uh, in order to kind of teach the market a lesson and drive a lot of uh, shale producers out of mm-hmm. business, they succeeded in the second, but they they didn't succeed in in putting them permanently out of business. I mean, there, there are a lot of bankruptcies and a lot, there's a lot of financial distress and stuff like that. But they actually came back stronger, kind of like zombies. I mean, so they're uh, you know you know all about zombies, Love Paul. Zombies. You're the zom- zombies. resident yes, zombie yes. expert. They came back. And so now, in that particular basin, the cost is, uh, you know, something like in the in the, the high forties, the all in cost, and maybe close to, to forty in yeah. in some places. So it doesn't it means they're not making a lot of money, but it, it also means that the cost is, and maybe not permanently, but the cost has come down very very dramatically from yeah. uh, from where it was then. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side of this message with more about energy, oil markets, what it means for you. This is Money Beat. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? That dog does not want to be petted. (laughs) Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but prediabetes does. Take the one-minute test today at doihadprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Follow the Wall Street Journal on your favorite podcast app. Search WSJ on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and any Amazon Alexa device. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Welcome back to Money Beat, talking about the oil market and the slide in crude oil prices. Uh, Paul Vigna, Stephen Grosser, and heard on the streets, Spencer Jacob. And I think it was back, I guess it was it was not this February, but the February past that, 2016, when it hit the, the lows of the past several years. Yeah, yeah, I think that was WPI around 26. 26. Right, right, right. And and around that time, and this is kind of what you were just talking about, Spencer, but really is you had a lot of talk about what's a sustainable price for different markets and different players. And that that talk faded when the prices started going back up again. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how long is it going to take until we start hearing that conversation come back around? Uh, yeah. No, I think that there's – I think – what we might see going forward is a, a sort of an equilibrium where we bounce in, in, in a range and you have this sort of mini booms and mini busts because you have to look at who, who is the marginal producer, the marginal producer, the people, not just the, the people who are highest cost. That, that used to be what people consider the marginal producer. Who has the highest cost? Okay, if they can't produce at that price, then they'll cut back investment and whatever. But now the marginal producer also happens to be the, the producer that can turn around the quickest, which is shale. So... Shale, let's say we, we go into the 30s. If you go into the 30s, I think you're going to see companies throttling way back hmm. on hmm. investment in, in, in wells because shale comes on stream pretty quickly and it has a really rapid decline rate, which means that it, it, you produce a lot. You can, a well can produce for a long time, but it, it produces a lot in the first year and then falls way, way off. And that means that you know, if you have a pretty good idea that oil is going to be low, then you're not going to spend the money. You, you're going to wait. You know the oil's there. Right, but you're going to wait, and it's not going anywhere. It's, it's not going to be there. Exactly, it'll right, still right. be there. So, uh, so what you you might have is a real throttling back in production, and that that means in in something like you know nine months you're going to have production roll over. But as things stand today, if nothing changes, um, 
I, I told you the 1.8 million barrels of cuts. Yeah. And OPEC, by the way, just OPEC and, and Russia agreed to extend that through March of 2018. That, that was a recent agreement. They thought that that would bolster the market. It did for about a day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. But that 1.8, to put it in context, the U.S. this year and next year, cumulatively, uh, based on the most recent forecast of the International Energy Agency, that's the, the body in Paris that sort of is the, the consuming nation's you know, and big analysis uh, body, said that U.S. production will rise by over 1.2 million barrels a day cumulatively. So, right. hey, you know, all of a sudden the market's pretty well supplied. Right. Um, I, I think OPEC is, is still going to have some impact. But, I mean, like they, they sh- it, it's taking a while. I think people are maybe a little bit too pessimistic because if they, if they stick to their guns, they'll have an impact on the amount of oil stored, which is a, extremely high. It's come off of a record, but it's still very, very high. Uh, and and that kind of that inventory uh, overhang is is really weighing on the market too. So, I mean, it's it's, it's not a, a fireworks aren't going to go off in Riyadh, but if they get that inventory overhang to decline, if we get back to the just the five year average, then they can say they accomplished something because that's that's kind of a, a bummer for them yeah. that there's you know like 120 million barrels a day, 120 million barrels rather uh, above the five year average in terms of storage. One of the questions, you know, we're getting back to that point where, you know, we're talking $30 and stuff like that. We saw oil have a big impact across, you know, the energy sector, corporate America, and on the U.S. economy. You saw manufacturing pull back a great deal when, you know, uh, just 2016, 2015. What are the implications of if oil falls into the 30s? For the U.S. economy and corporate, you know, the energy corp, uh, big energy companies, uh, I'd say not as big as in 2014, 2015, because you know you had um, you had a real bust during the financial crisis, and then a gradual climb back to I think WTI hit like 107 dollars, and and Brent mm-hmm. hit 115 at the peak in the the summer of 2014. So you had had years of of, of build up, a lot of debt build up, and then you had a washout in recent years. So I, I would say that obviously it will be painful for some companies and some people, and there'll be some job losses and things like that. But we haven't gotten back to, to that level. We've, the, the companies have become leaner. Um, yeah, I was going to ask and, about their balance sheets. Well, their balance sheets are not excellent, but they're, you know, the most vulnerable companies you know, went bust. And Wall Street yeah. has been really ready. Wall Street and banks have been pretty ready to, to give money. And I think because the, the memory of the bust is so recent – if you were to have a rough patch, you know, you're not going to go back to 26 or yeah, you won't yeah. go back there very long. So I think that the washout will be uh, like a an, an faint echo of what you saw before. Mm. And in terms of the, the impact on jobs, it won't be good, obviously, but it, it, it won't be as as sharp. And then the rebound won't be as sharp either. I mean, I think you're like you're, you're going to have kind of you, you, you may wind up being range bound and you may wind up being range bound for the foreseeable future, like several years which is terrible for OPEC. I was going to ask, uh, you know, take the headline from a recent herd you wrote. You said, you know, the outlook is so bleak for oil, there might be opportunity. Uh, what's the opportunity? Well, the opportunity is that in the background, let's, uh, if you want to sort of be really simplistic, you can di- divide the oil world into three buckets. You know, you have OPEC uh, and Russia, where they, they actually have a very low cost, very low lifting cost, very low cost of production. So they're, they're covering their cash costs no matter what. Uh, they're suffering with these low oil prices, but it's, it's not a question of whether to pump or not to pump, whether or not to invest or not invest. They're, they're going to produce. 
You know, then you have shale, which is the what we've discussed is is variable and very high cost, and then you have uh, private oil projects elsewhere in the world, and those have been cut back to levels not seen in decades in dollar terms. Uh, I mean, like offshore Gulf of Mexico, offshore Brazil, offshore Africa, you know, big complicated projects, things like investing in the Arctic. That you know, we're now in in year three of that having been slashed, and. That takes a while to have an impact. You know, the, if the money that you started to not spend and invest three years ago is only going to start to hit supply this year. And that's, that's a not inconsequential amount of, of, of supply. Uh, and so that is it's kind of on the backs of those guys that you're going to start to really balance the market because demand is, is pretty robust uh, unless you have a, you know, a, a recession or something like that or China crashes or whatever. You know, you're, you're, you're probably going to, come pretty close to balancing the market. I think people are forgetting how much money has kind of was going to be spent that hasn't been spent. Heard on the streets, Spencer Jacobs. Spencer, we appreciate the time. Thank you very much for your insights. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you soon. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously.